Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, the podcast where we're looking back at Game of Thrones one episode at a time. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And we are close to the end, guys. It's season one, episode nine, Baylor. Yeah, now first question, probably the most important, did you manage to stay awake this week? I did manage to stay awake this week. Fuck for that. Actually, to be fair, this is probably the best episode in a little while, I think. Um, Having said that, it's also the one I've probably got the most problems with. (laughs) Yeah, this is the one I've been saying all the way through, and I've said since I watched it the first time around, this episode really wanged my chunk because there's no fucking need for some of the things that happen here. And they've really, it's for me, it's it's evidence of where the writers have gone. Whether it's in the book or not, I don't care. They've, they're, pitch in their direction has been completely off i i very much agree that the direction is way off um i think we're also we'll get into it i'm sure but we're also lacking a lot of essential stuff um in in Mm. the build-up to the, the final moments of this episode um yeah look we'll get to it when we get to it uh shit's gonna happen this week um yeah it's also the first example, I think, of, or the first good example of how poorly uh, this show handles major narrative events uh, like yes. deaths. Um, let's dive in. We're, we're going to have a lot to say about this one. I think it's a it's a big week, so yes, let's dive in. Uh, I mean, opening up, we get uh, the the incredible man with no chin again coming to see <laughs> Ned. Um, yeah. I, I, and this is actually like I think good character work for Varys that we get here. You know, just laying down the yeah. the, the groundwork to show that he is uh, he is true neutral. He is not yes. taking any side. He is on the side of the realm, as he very much says here. He is a true politician and he is truly neutral, um, which he does pretty much hold to throughout the show. To be fair, yeah, um, yeah I think that's fair. I mean, even because it does look in like the seasons, like he jumps around, but he. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, we've talked about Jamie and sort of True North, and Varys is kind of that as well. If you think of some sort of the, the what's best for the realm, what's best for Westeros is his. Um, that's his guiding light. It may not be popular, and it may not sit with the ruling family for at the time, or it may shift with policy or whatever, or with some particular events or whatever else. But it's always for the good of the realm. It's not a case of right. Well, I'm a, I'm supporting the Targaryens, or I'm supporting the Lannisters, or the Baratheons, or whatever. It's what's best for Westeros. And I think that's he's probably one of the few characters who you can say all the way through is consistent. Yeah, I think. I mean, other characters are mostly there, but they wobble slightly on occasion. Um, and I think Varys is very much what's best for the realm, and we've seen it in this one um, already in this season where um, there's an episode where um, Arya overhears him talking to somebody from uh, across the Narrow Sea, and they're talking about you know, about killing the Hand and the fact that Ned's an honourable man, and they won't be able to do to him what they did to John Arryn. It's a, we we already know he's playing all sides. Mm. But it's not for his personal gain. We, you know, we never see that it's actually for any sort of gain for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think he is consistent. I think this is, but this is the first time I think it's really it's spelled out for us. Just in case we oh, haven't picked up yeah. on it, it's, this is a good character moment for for him and um, all of his chins. 
Um, yes. And I think to be fair that we've uh, the only other character who really compares to him in terms of, of the political machinations at this stage is Littlefinger. Yes. But Littlefinger has been painted very early on as a panto dame. Um, he's he's there to get the uh, he's there to get the you know, the laughs. And if if you know in the meantime he's a bit you know, he's a bit weird and he's a bit twisted and he's you know, he's going to be a bit of a shit. You kind of expect it. Whereas Varys, you've had nothing from him thus far, and this is the sort of the the key point for me. This is probably the most important scene of his you'll have for a number of years. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's he's having a chat with Ned, who who continues to be stubborn and honourable to the point of absolute stupidity once more. Um, but moreover, here he is absolutely just a selfish prick as well um, oh, absolutely. he is essentially valuing his honor um above his life uh which you know if he wants to do that if he's a single man that's fine that just makes him stupid um but he has an entire family to support so but not just a family i mean if you think of what's going on elsewhere and he also he won't know what's going on elsewhere in the country or in, in the seven kingdoms but he would you'd have to expect that his family aren't going to take it lying down. So all the people who are loyal to his family aren't going to take it lying down either. So he he would know he's by being such a stubborn cock, he is bringing people to war. He is sending people to their yes. deaths unnecessarily. Yes, absolutely. And Varys Fallout calls him on it as well. Um, yes, Varys says to him, "What of your daughter's life, my lord? Is that a precious thing to you?" Um, Fallout calls him on it, and Ned yes. still still just doesn't respond um and we'll see towards the end of the episode that perhaps Varys has managed to talk some sense into him but mm. it's too little too fucking late in it um he's just a idiot ned stark's an absolute bumbling idiot i've made my mind up by this point <laughs> which is a shame because the, the first couple of episodes you really didn't think it was going to go that no. way yeah, i've got to be honest <laughs> I mean, I, when I first heard of this show, I didn't really know much about it. It was medieval, you know, swords and sorcery type of shit. And I went, like, you know what? Not my thing. And then you hang, the, the fact they hung the entire promotion on Sean Bean sat on the Iron Throne, that was enough for me. I was like, you know what? Not interested. Not my shtick whatsoever. I'll pass. Yeah. Um, so the fact that um, that that was my initial reaction, and it it, sort of, it was a couple of years later, but it won me round, and I thought, yeah, you know what, they, you know, Sean B's doing all right in this, and the character, the character work is good. Oh fuck, no, what's he doing? What's he doing? Oh for fuck's sake, why did you do that? Yeah, that's pretty much my relationship with the entirety of this show. Is like every time. I re- with the exception of John, to be fair, uh, every time I really start to get behind a character and really like them, they just fuck it up. They just throw yeah. it all away. Um, I don't know why they just do. It seems to be a thing that they enjoy doing. Um, God, it, but it's it, it, it's um, it's stunt writing and shock and all. It, it is stunt writing, absolutely, and it's the biggest problem with with the show. Um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, this episode for me, um, it's kind of like it's kind of like I, I I appreciate this is in the book, so they've kind of gone with what what's there. But and so this is why they've got the direction wrong. But it's for me, it's the first example of many in this show. Where the writers are going right, we, we need to jump the shark now. We need to, yes. we need to, re, we need to really hook people into this yes. because they're not, no, they're not going to see this coming. And the reason people didn't see it coming is because they spent eight episodes gearing up the fact that you know, this is the fucking Ned Stark show. Yeah, it's also, um, I mean, okay, yeah, I'm sure we don't need a spoiler warning here, but just in case. Well, actually, no, because it's this episode, so it's fine. Um, look, when Ned dies at the end of the episode. Um, 
problem for me isn't that he dies at all. And like you say, it's in the book. So, okay, they want to do it. That's fine. Um, you can kill any character you want as long as you do it meaningfully and as long as it means something and has weight. And the biggest problem, um, as I'll highlight as we go through here, is since Ned was taken captive two episodes ago, we've spent a sum total of about five minutes with him. Like, why should I care that they're about to cut his head off? Like, the first first five or six episodes, like, yeah, he was the main driving force of our show, and then they've just dropped him like a sack of spuds. Oh, they've completely thrown him away. They've entirely thrown him away, and they've gone, oh, well, yeah, his bit's done now. Exactly. Like, he... he he was dead in the water two episodes ago, so this is just sealing yeah, the as deal. As soon as he, yeah, as soon as he got arrested, as soon as little thing put a knife to his throat and said, "You shouldn't have trusted me," and that that should have been it. He's he's there. He's in jail. He's going to be he's going to be tried for treason. He's going to be executed because that's what you do with traitors. Yeah, and short of short of some magic reprieve where okay, Rob's riding south with about a million men, which we'll come to later on, and. Because of the again, because of the way Ned has been positioned from minute well minute eight of this show, so once you had that cold open with the uh, the White Walkers um, and the credits, um, Ned is your first man. Ned is the one they've pinned everything on. Yeah, and then they've gone, ah, fuck it, we don't need him anymore. And even 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 though they said that we spent the sum total of like four and a half minutes with him. Rob is still riding south with his with the banners and with his army. There's going to be this big clash with Tywin uh, and the Lannister army. Um, no, they're all there's all this scheming and plotting and lots of things going on to a point where you expect because it's some Formula Eight television writing at this point. You expect there's going to be some big standoff and that's going to kind of swing it for him that he's going to get out and he's, he's going to go back to it being the Ned Stark show. Yeah. Um, and and that's fine if you do that. Yes, okay, it's fairly predictable and certainly what I was expecting because especially during the first season but yeah they kind of went the other way and went you know what okay, throw him under the bus and then everything we've, we've set up in this series everything we've tried to work for especially the whole illegitimate bloodline and all that, that counts for fact yeah. all now again I'm okay with that as long as you've done the work and as long as there's somebody to pick up this thread which there isn't and as long as we care enough about Ned which we don't and as long i'll save it i've got a whole page of notes i've specifically written at the top of the page ned's death i've got a whole page of notes so i'll save it um let's get okay. to some of the other stuff but yeah i've got i've got a fair chunk of stuff to say about ned's death yeah. and mind you yeah. before i started re-watching this show um through the mists of time that was one of the ones that i was saying was like oh well they probably handled that okay save for this there was one thing on a first viewing that really really stuck in my throat and still does now but other than that i was like yeah say say for that issue that that was fairly well handled no it wasn't it's abysmal um and and we'll get onto it um when we get onto it don't don't get me wrong it's not as bad as episode we had two weeks ago um and i think it moved pretty well oh episode um, episode wise I, this is good um I, i'm just talking yeah, purely about Ned's death here um, oh yeah Ned's death. Sorry, yeah I, I thought um, it was one of uh, up until rewatching it, i thought it was one of the the better handled deaths but it really isn't it is terrible um th- th- this episode itself i actually think is is quite good um yeah and, and i mean just a bit of um, info on the episode um the episode itself was nominated for an emmy for outstanding writing huh. 
Um, yeah, I know. Um, and Peter Dinklage won um, the Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. Well deserved. Um, for this I've episode. got lots of so that's I've got lots of notes about Tyrion here as well. Uh, yeah. Well deserved. Um, I, I mean, I think I'm, I might be wrong in this. I'm fairly sure I've read at some point that they all, everybody in their contract or everybody there was an agreement that nobody would accept a nomination for leading actor okay because it's, it's an ensemble, ensemble cast, cast I, think, yeah. I think that was something they it was either in their contract or it was all agreed and certainly with season 8 um, where when it came to um, Gwendolyn Christie and somebody else nominated them, they, they put themselves forward as nominees they paid they stamped up the, uh, the fee because HBO wouldn't and they got nominated but again it was in a supporting role um, and I think that, that that's something that they, it was, I think it was all agreed very early on that nobody is bigger than the show the show is the show is the thing and the people in it are supporting cast that's just a very nice way to look at things all for one and one for all and all of that um, oh absolutely yeah fair play to them um but okay getting back to the episode then moving on uh, we get our first look next at Walter Frey um, who is just a disgusting old lech he's a dirty old man um, he's, a, he's a dirty old man who's no he's marrying like was she a 15 year old or something like that or married a 15, 15 year old 15 yeah I've got the girl he's groping is 15 with an exclamation point and he's about double underlined. Um, I mean look I get it. I'm sure he's like this in the books as well. But as tropes go, this one is fucking disgusting and old-fashioned, and belongs in the seventies. Yeah. Like it, it is, and I think I mean it's it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing from David Bradley's point of view. David Bradley's outstanding actor. He plays this character very well in every fucking thing that he does. Yeah, I mean this. I you would hope even with some of the other questionable politics and morals at play in this show you would hope that a production of this quality was at least above a trope like this and especially above playing it so fucking broadly as well yes but sadly not he is just a disgusting old pervert um with no redeeming feature whatsoever no and I mean, it's it's quite interesting because not long after this, I think it was the first season of Broadchurch came out two or three years after this, um, and he played a character in that, um, which again the show's fucking eight year old, so I'm not worried about spoilers so much. But spoilers, um, his character um, was a racial sex offender because he, as a as a teacher, he had had sexual relationship with a student of fifteen. Um, and the way they handled that was a lot different that, um, because obviously there's a murder going on and there's talk about this child potentially being molested before they were murdered and all the rest of it so automatically he's a suspect because he's a, a known sex offender and the way they handled that story is that you know, she was 15 and 11 months when they got caught out and you know, he then went on to marry her and they had a family and a life together and all this sort of stuff and unfortunately for David Bradley he seems to be so stuck in this sort of role now where he's a um, not so necessarily a, a pervert but he's a sinister manipulative, bitter, angry old man. Yeah. And if you look at him in Harry Potter, you look at him in, in Broadchurch, you look at him in this, and various other things. I think the only thing I've seen him not playing this role is when he played um, when he played uh, one of the, whichever iteration of Doctor Who it was where he was playing the the actor um, for one of their anniversary celebrations a couple of years ago. And I think that's the only time I've ever time, only time I've seen him play something completely different. Because and uh, it's he's good at it. I think it's just unfortunate that it just comes across so negatively. Uh, yeah, and that's not necessarily his fault. That's the right. That's no, no, the no, writing's no, I, I fault. Think... You can suggest this character yeah. without having him yeah. grope a fifteen-year-old girl. 
Yeah, I mean, you you already get the impression he's going to be a complete cunt anyway. Yeah. I mean, the fact that that's one. Um, you know the fact that oh yeah, well, I think last week was only five, so we're going to have to okay. game a bit this week. Um, but yeah, the, the way he's treat, he speaks to his sons, the way the fact that the fact that there's another legitimate one, he said, you know, your mother would still be a milkman if I hadn't squirted you into her. Uh, yeah. And it has a line that made me laugh, but again, it's not really befitting. No. What you ex- well, what you're expecting is you know, yes, okay, he's 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 a very different character. Yes, he's not polished. He's not um, he's not refined at all. He is a vulgar old man, but still, it just rankles because you don't see it anywhere else in the show. And you, again, it's stunt writing. It is. It's done yeah. for effect. There's no that line isn't needed. The whole um, the character could have been conveyed quite easily, whereby Cat goes to see him, and they have a conversation. Or he has a conversation about his wife, and. Has a dig of her saying, "Oh, your father didn't come to the wedding. Oh, he's been. Oh, he didn't come to the last one either. Or the one before that. Your family have always looked down on me. You could skip the rest of it altogether. You get the sense of he's an embittered old man who's not well liked, not not respected, and has got a chip on his shoulder the size of fucking Westeros. Yeah. That can all be conveyed without making him a pillock first. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, just shortly after." when he's dismissed everybody and he's, he's talking to Kat, there's some really good stuff. You know, he has this line where he starts listing the houses and he says, like, Stark, Tully, Lannister, Baratheon, you know, and he says something like, give me yeah. one good reason to, to get involved with any of them or something like that. I forget what the exact line is. Yeah. Um, but he... There, there are a couple, because, I mean, he says, he says, she says, oh, you swore an oath to my father. So, yeah, I swore an oath to the crown as well. Yeah. And immediately he's calling out the whole thing. Of, it doesn't really matter. They're just hollow words. I say what I have to say to get by. Yeah, and that's all good stuff. And that all conveys this despicable old man who doesn't give a fuck about anyone else. We don't... Yeah, we don't need to see him groping 15-year-old girls and talking about all his Ill- illegitimate children and how he spunked up so many women uh, in, in literal terms. Uh, that, that's right, and I think it, it's very much a scene of two halves. Where by the first, the first half, you could quite easily leave, and up until the point where he dismisses everybody, literally, you could have her go in, him, him, her, him kick everybody out, and they have that conversation that they have, and that's absolutely fine. Even to the point where he's saying, "No, I've got sons and daughters, and no, I need, no, I need marriages and all that." So that's fine because that's the sort of the political side, and that's the, that's advancing the story. And when we get to episode 3.8 or 3.9 wherever it is there'll be a payoff and when we get to seasons end of season 6 or wherever there'll be payoff again it will no these things do come back and so that stuff is necessary yeah. but the beginning of it where I say he's just a cantankerous or lech there's no need for it None. whatsoever None. so yeah let's move on quickly because this, this scene left a bad taste in my mouth if I'm honest um, we get John being handed his sword which was Jorah's um we we find out um, it's Valerian steel. It's it's a cool fucking sword. There's not much more to be said about it than that. It is a fucking cool sword. The only thing that always bugged me with it, apart from the fact they all name their swords, which is a bit fucking yeah. Um, but it ha- okay, it had a it had the dialogue for it. And yes, Ghost is white, but it's not exactly subtle. No, is it? but it's fucking cool. So that look, lightsabers aren't yeah. subtle, but they're clearly the best swords to have ever been invented. So. And to be fair, if you know, if lightsabers had been involved in this episode, it would have been a fucked up better. If lightsabers were in Game of Thrones, it would instantly become ten times the show it is now. And look, I've said all yeah. along, I don't think it's a bad show. I love the show. But fuck me, it would be much cooler with lightsabers. <laughs> like, everything's cooler with lightsabers. Simple. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of which, uh, moving on to the next scene, we, we finally get, um, as we find out that John's been given... 
Jorah's sword. We then cut to a scene uh, with Jorah over in um, Dothrak, and and he finally kind of steps up and takes this role as mentor. I feel here with with Danny. Sort of, he finally yeah. becomes her Obi Wan, um, which is what he will yes. be now for the rest of the show. Essentially, he will be her guide. He'll go off on his own journeys as well, but he's always kind of there guiding her and and subtly kind of teaching her how to become this this leader um, and, and i feel like this scene is where he steps up into that he, he kind of becomes our obi-wan here um yes but I, my next note just says it is a fucking cool sword so i got very quickly bored with writing that because we were <laughs> we were back at the wall <laughs> and they were all chucking john's sword around to play with it um yeah no th- i mean this again this is a sort of scene in two parts he comes out of um he comes out of uh, moments room quarters whatever, whatever you want to call it comes out and they're all there so sort of patting him on the back and there's just this one random voice it's it's obviously been overdubbed because the, the person isn't on screen and he shakes hand with somebody and then from behind the camera somebody says you deserve that yeah. snow and where, where did that come from did that yeah, come I from know. and I, I again I was, I was listening to it I was watching it last night I had my headphones in uh, and you know, it's you know, digital 3D sound and it, somebody shouted from behind me I said, what the fucking hell because again, what was the point? Everybody's shaking his hand and it's, it's sucking him off. And all that. Everybody's really happy for him. Fantastic. That again, the fact they've gone in the ADR it's a that line in the window and clearly, included that, it. that's covering something. That line is clearly a cat in a window. It's like fucking hell. Something somebody's dropped something somewhere, and we need to cover it. So they've just. But then again, there's so much wild track. You know, there, there, there is there is wind on that track. There, you no, know, there are. There's no background noise of animals and people walking around and swords clanking and shit. So they don't. They could have got away with it a million other they ways. They could have, but that was probably the quickest and easiest. What I would say is, you could have had a better line and you could have found a better delivery <laughs> than that if you're going to do it. Well, yeah, um, that's also true. But hey, it's not. It's not the worst thing to happen in this show. It, it, fine, it's fine. Um, <laughs> then, like Sam bless him um he is just yeah. the worst at keeping <laughs> secrets in he like the absolute I, I've, I've worst. got a six-year-old who's exactly the same like at any time sam has knowledge in this show that he shouldn't have you can guarantee within an episode or two he is gonna spill his guts he cannot oh, keep his fucking yap shut about anything um yeah he's just the worst he is the absolute worst at keeping a secret um then we, we're out of we're out of there and we're back to Rob and Cat. And um, I, I, this is a great little mm. scene. And first of all, though, I couldn't help wondering. And and this is just look, the show played for this, so they put this thought in my head. And I don't like that it's there, but the only thing I can think when I'm looking at Cat in this scene is what did she have to do to get besides what yeah. we'll talk about in a minute which is obviously marrying off the children like what did she have to do see I'm, I'm I don't know I mean I I'd like to think that you know, she's met, with the concession she's made I think she I think she's got away unscathed but I don't know I don't really want to think about yeah. it 
no, it, it's horrible. Um, but we get we get yeah, this nice we get let's this nice on. scene where she reveals that she's agreed to marry off Aya and Rob, um, so that Rob can pass. Yes. Um, and and Rob has a line of the episode for me. Um, and I I don't know. It feels like it might even be ad libbed because it's it's delivered yeah. in such a throwaway deadpan way, and it's hilarious. He just. Yeah, and it's so out, out of sorts with the rest of the episode it, and, as well. And he kind of just lets the scene play out and just almost as an afterthought throws out there, well, did you get a look at his daughters? <laughs> but then she quickly mm. bats it back at him as well and says one and pulls a face, you know, like, yeah, she's not bad. So yeah, I guess it must have been in yeah, there. So, yeah, or if not, she's very quick at throwing it back. But the whole thing does feel very off the cuff uh, and it's an excellent it moment. As I've said before... Cat reacting with any other Stark is just always fantastic. On her own, she gets under my skin a bit. Not so much. But whenever she's yeah. around her family, she's absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, and, and true to form in the scene as well. Theon's there uh, adding nothing and just being an absolute cock weasel. Just being a cock womble. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, just again, just in a little sort of snickery, snidey sort of uh, backhanded yeah. jibes. Um, yeah, the character has nothing. Yeah, nothing but, at all. I mean, I, I, I don't like the way the character is written. I don't like. Uh, I don't like what the character does. But I don't actually see the need for the character at all. Uh, to be this honest, this would be a much better show without him entirely. Um, yeah, because they spent far too much yeah, time. Hate, um, with, hate, with him. hate, 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 hate the little prick. Um, but anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Back to the wall. Um, I, and I, I'm aware that I'm going through a bit of a lick here, but I know we're going to have a lot to say at the end. Um, I, I, and in fact, this next scene I've got a bit to say about as well, because it's a little bit of a strange one. Um, but first and foremost, before we do anything else, who the fuck is trusting the maester with a fucking cleaver? I know, he's fucking blind. Yeah. Who the <laughs> fuck gives him a cleaver? Who thought that was a good idea? Like. Oh, yeah, I know. I, that I don't understand. Um, but then we get his backstory, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, again, entirely pointless because but it never, never goes comes anywhere. Up again. Yeah, never goes anywhere throughout the show. However, it is just some interesting colour. It would be much better if at some point it meant something, but it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then I've just written here comes the clumsy exposition because here it comes as we literally now this is why I find this scene interesting because at this point in time watching the show if you don't know what's coming down the pipe um, and I mean in in a few seasons time yeah uh, well in many seasons time um, we are literally getting Ned's choice narrated to us it is literally spelled out to us well he must be feeling like this now because he could do this and if he did this then this would happen but if he didn't do that then this would happen so what do you think he should do john hmm pause for an answer yeah it's terrible it's horrible and clumsy and disgusting and treats the viewer with no respect whatsoever however if we choose to look at it under a different light and we Mm. choose to look at it as foreshadowing which is what i am going to do here um (laughs) it's actually quite nice because ned's choice here does mirror john's eventual choice sort of Um, kind of because john's john's final choice okay spoilers for the final season Okay, there's your warning. John's John 
John's final choice, really, and it is the hero's choice, John, he does have to choose between his honor and his duty and the realm and the woman that he loves in this case, rather than rather than the family. Um, but it is very similar. And the repercussions of that choice are being discussed here with John. Mm. Um, as I said back in episode one of this show, when we started this show, and this is it's these kind of things that, that spurred us into action, really. Like, all of that shit that you all are moaning about in, in season eight, all of these mad or seemingly mad narrative left turns, they've been there. They've been there all along. They've been there since day one. It's here. It's in the writing. Um, it's it's just very well hidden because the writing is generally pretty shit. Yeah, generally, it is, yeah. And, and look... I, I don't know if this was intentional or not. We're talking some eight years in the future, but just like the stuff with Ned, just like the look on his face, you know, all the way back in, in episode two, you know, I kind of feel like they had some bits and pieces of this, or at least the inkling of where they wanted to go in their head when they were writing this shit, because ultimately, even if they didn't end up there, then this line on, and, and this conversation still works. It's just horrible and clumsy, which is what it feels here anyway. Yeah. But watching it with, with knowledge of where the show goes, it is some very nice foreshadowing. We do see John's future in this conversation. Um, yeah. And I mean, again, I mean, coming on to what we'll find out, I think it's in, at the end of season six, um, about, again, about a choice that Ned has made in the past where he chooses where he's forced to choose between family and duty and uh, family and honour um, as regards to his sister. And I think that, again, it's, you, look, you look at that, this is, again, it's all been set up very yeah. nicely at this state in this episode, whereby you've had the conversation with Varys in the dungeon, you've had this conversation between Miss Raymond and John, and because it's so far removed, you don't really think about it. But actually, when you start thinking about the whole the, the, the narrative as a whole and, and some of the some of the key points that come up, yeah, that, um, you'd like to think there's a blueprint if you're writing a series of novels or you're writing a, a multi-year TV show anyway. You'd like to think there's some sort of, sort of plan for it. But, they, yeah, they've played for this from day one. Yeah. Yeah, they have. It's there. Um, so, yeah, interesting scene, I thought. Um, and then, as I say, we also get the backstory here of Eamon, and it turns out he's a Targaryen. Um, yeah, so... That goes... Thought- Fucking nowhere. Yeah, I think I'll try and get this right now. So he is um, Mad King's uncle, I think. I think that's how he spelled to, it out. You, you, yeah, you know, he's any... great uncle. And yeah. where other parts of that family that we find out later on where they fit in, I don't fucking know because it's really confusing. But again, it's that high fantasy, almost biblical shit of, you know, yeah, um, Micah begat, Eamon begat, Ares begat, fucking Jonah begat, Job begat, yeah. who gives a flight don't fuck care. anyway. Don't care, yeah. especially since it goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, so I why don't think it ever comes up again, does telling it? us in the first place? No, um, exactly. Apart, apart from the fact it's, it's supposed to dissuade John from running off and trying to join the war effort, does fucking nothing. No. Um, so then back we go to Dothrak and Aquaman's in pretty bad shape. Um, yeah. He's been hurt. It's framed here as being Danny's fault because, of course, it is because that's yeah, this fucking show for you. Um, and now the men will not follow her because this is all her fault, stupid woman. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's her fault because no, they, she caused the fight in the first place and then she let the witch put her hands on him. And obviously, yeah. the fact that he has an infected wound is the witch's fault, not the fact it wasn't fucking cleaned properly. 
Yep. So leeches, the, bitches. Yeah. The, essentially, the fact that Drogo has a fucking temper and rules with fear and is a bit of a brute, if we're honest. Um, yeah. That's all down. That's the fucking love him, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's fucking awesome. But look, that's his character. It was nothing to do with Danny. She just yeah. she lit the fuse. That's all she did. He's there his own actions. But no, not here. This shows politics don't allow that. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah. We get an entirely pointless scene with Tywin and Tyrion uh, at the table talking shit. Um, but any scene with Tyrion is good. Although, when he gets up and storms away from the table, they missed an, an opportunity for a good comedy beat. He should have come back and grabbed the wine and then yes. stormed off. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it was quite interesting. There was quite an interesting line, actually, whereby um, uh, Tywin tells Tyrion that him and the uh, the savages of the wildlings that he's brought down from the Vale uh, will be in the vanguard. And Tyrion's response is, surely there are easier ways to kill me that aren't detrimental to the war effort. I think that's a, I thought that was a really nice line because he, no, Tyrion knows exactly what the point is. He knows what he's doing and he knows that Tywin is doing it intentionally. But he's still, again, it's still this sort of you know, family thing whereby, yeah, okay, you, you can kill me, that's fine, but you've still got a war to win. Don't piss away your chance. No, don't piss away your chances just to punish me. Yeah, um, it's not a bad scene. It just adds very little. I think um, I, 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 I quite liked it because I think given what comes later on in this episode um, where Tywin uh, where Tyrion uh, Bronn and Shea are uh, playing a drinking game I think that again it's we've never really seen much of this of the background of, of their relationship and that will grow over yeah. the next couple of years um, but I think it's an interesting starting point of okay well yes okay we, at, up until now we've just seen that his father treats him like shit and we assume it's because he's a dwarf because he made the comment earlier early on that um all, all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. So we we know that he hates him. We just had no evidence of that. We had no sort of no showing of that. And this episode just really starts that off. And then obviously that'll get worse over the next couple of years. Yeah, it will. Um, I just I don't know. I just felt like this was a scene that just sort of slowed slowed the pace of the episode down for me. I didn't I didn't feel like it was needed at all. I mean, it's got Tyrion in it, so that's fine. Um, He's always that's probably why I liked it. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's not a bad scene. I just don't think it's needed. Um, I think any everything that it does convey is done better by Tyrion in the, in the drinking game later on. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, yeah. Tyrion goes and, and back to be to, fair, you're right. As I say, you're right. Actually, you could have quite easily conveyed the fact, you know, everything that the conversation he just had with um, with Tywin, you could have conveyed that when he's in the next scene where he goes into his tent and to see Bron Bron. is there. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, we're in the Vanguard tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. No, it didn't. Yeah, you you're don't right, need actually. It. You don't need it, that it's, scene. A nice, it's a nice scene, but you don't need it. No, not at all. Um, Bronn, I fucking love Bronn, as we say every yeah. week. Um, another contender for line of the episode here. I think Rob <laughs> just just yes. peaks it for me, but when Tyrion walks in to find him with with a whore, uh, a pretty one, as he, as he comments, uh, yes. where did you find such a pretty one? And Bronn's response, from some ginger cunt, three tents down. <laughs> But it's it's not even that. It's it's the fact that he doesn't even care. So, oh, you know, what's his name? Yeah, um, some ginger cat. Ginger cat three. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's it's, it's the fact he's, he can't even. He's, he's actually got to rack his mind to try and think where he found her because he just doesn't care. Yeah, and then doesn't and then, Tyrion yeah. say something like, "What did he have to say about that?" And Bronn said, "He said, no, he said something. something." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I love Bronn. I think Bronn. Bron gets the most entertaining lines. He doesn't get the best lines, but he gets the, the most entertaining ones. Yeah, and I mean. Like, credit 
where it's due as well. That's not just the writing; that's the performance more than anything. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, credit where it's due. He's a fantastic character, um, and then lo and behold, it, of course, it's not just any old whore. Uh, it's she who yes i had i must be honest i can't believe this until she popped up on screen i had completely forgotten she existed but the second she popped up on screen my my face just lit up i loved Shay in these early seasons i can't believe i forgot that she existed yeah, I, I hadn't forgotten her but i'd forgotten like where she came from i'd forgotten this scene in particular um and obviously i remembered where her arc goes and, and what her what her involvement with the Lannisters leads to hmm. um, in in future seasons. So uh, she's there, but again, I think that the biggest it's the biggest problem I have with the show. There's so many so many stories and so yeah. many people that you just I can't. can't yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I can't I can't keep up. And sometimes I, I care, and sometimes I don't. I, again, it's she's sort of the final form of Roz, if you like. I feel like yeah. she is absolutely a woman in charge of her own destiny, and yes, she's a whore. Um, but she. But again, when we get to the sto- the the drinking game later on, and the story that Tyrion tells, again, it kind of it's a nice bit of foreshadowing, so no history repeating itself. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we'll come to that when we get to it. But I think I think it's quite it's it's quite nice, and I think it's it's something that again could have been handled very poorly. Yeah. But it's not. I think uh, she's a. Yeah. I think she's a great character. Um, so, yeah. So, so we get introduced to to Shay, um, and, and and then we get this great scene where she's kind of bargaining with with Tyrion, almost like I say, yes, yeah, she's a whore, but she's kind of in charge of this relationship here, all all yeah. on her own. She she will bargain for the right price. This is a an equal partnership that they're forming here. Um, you know, this is a business deal, and she is a businesswoman. Um, yeah. It, Excellent, excellent, excellent scene. Um, then that's that's contrasted really when we go back over to Dothrak and all that that good stuff that's been done is quickly undone again with the attitude towards <laughs> Danny here. Um, yeah. Things are not looking good for her. Uh, they, there's almost like this mini battle for the throne going on over there now that kind of mirrors what's going on in our main storyline yes um, which is quite nice you know that that mirroring as a b story is is good that's a good narrative technique i like that um yeah and again i think it's it's handled quite well insofar as you know all we've had all the way through is you know, the dothraki are savages and you know, they, they, they 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 infight and they kill each other on a regular basis and, all the rest of it. and this is the first time we've really seen any of that whereby it's look you know they 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 recognise your husband is their is their leader, but if he dies, they will kill you and, and your unborn son. Yeah, because they're not going to want no, they're not going to want any any potential claim to their leadership. Somebody will take over, and they will kill you just so your son cannot grow up and overthrow them. Yeah, and and, and yeah, sorry, go on. As I say, it's it's just it's it's nice because all of a sudden we see you know, we've had so much politicking and so much bullshit over in King's Landing that. It's actually quite nice to see it handled in a different way. It is. Whereby, yeah. yes, it's all still political, but it's it's no, it's not just a case of ah, oh, well, now this particular tribe of savages and this particular tribe, like we're getting with the um, the men of the Vale or the Moon people and the fucking Moomins and the Button Moon as motherfucker, you know, all all these people. Oh, that's it, such it's a still being, show. 
Tiana. Oh my god, I really um, want to see like the Moomins and then Mr. Spoon and Mrs. Spoon and Tina Teaspoon all just having a running battle at each other and then the clangers can pop up riding soup dragons. Pretend there's a potential who wins there. Oh my god, oh I really want to see that show. <laughs> and then you just got fucking yeah. Wombles popping up in the middle of the battlefield and then everyone runs away because Wombles. Um oh man, that's a much better show. <laughs> um, you've, you've probably yes, lost I mean, me for a little bit here now as I mull over which, quite yeah. possibly I might, I might have to carry the show yeah, for a little yeah. bit so sorry everybody um, but yeah it, it's quite nice because like, even even where you do have the, you know, these wildlings and these these quote unquote savages um, even they're embroiled in the politics and the tribal side of it whereas you don't get that with the Tothrakis we are one tribe that's fine but if the, if the leader dies then fuck it somebody else is going to come in and it's not we're not going to have an election we're going to rip each other's fucking throats out. Hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's a stark contrast and it's really nicely done, I thought. Sorry, I'm still, still, like, I, <laughs> I, I've just, I've got this image now of Zippy as, as fucking, <laughs> as just, Zippy is the Theon Greyjoy of, of this, of this show, isn't he? He's the annoying oh, cat that off. no one likes. Uh, Two. Yeah. Um, I'm not having that. Zippy's awesome. <laughs> Well, he's cooler than Theon, but he is the annoying cunt that no one likes, isn't he? This three. Three. Yeah. Um, Dude, Malaria is cooler than Theon. Uh, yeah, very true. Uh, yeah, I suppose you're right. I suppose um, Zippy is a bit too cool, but he is very crass and loud. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. annoying. But then lots of people in the show are, not just Theon. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so anyway, uh, anyway we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, move yeah, on from on. that. Um, you're, you're dead right in everything you're saying. I, I, that's actually what I was uh, about to say when I when I cut you off. Um, I, I do kind of prefer this little mini battle that's going on over here to yeah. what's going on, even even with the question of politics. But we do take the turning point here again. We get this just – we keep getting these glimmers of, of – of the strength in Danny and, and what she's going to become. And, and we do get it here as well. Yeah. But before we get that, we get more of Jorah just being fucking awesome where obviously Danny's yeah. being threatened and, and he just puts his hand on his sword and says, mind your tongue. And the look he gives to the Thraki horse Lord or whatever he is, it, just the look. Yeah. It, like he, again, it, like it just, such a fucking Batman move just the, the look that he gives him like he's going to take the guy apart if he even takes a step forward yeah. um, and then of course they do proceed to fight um, and he's not all yeah. that good to be fair is he <laughs> no he's not and I mean realistically had it not been for the fact he had, he had his armour on He'd be he fucked. would have been fucking killed yeah. he'd have lost a kid yeah um, and but again, that's a nice throwback to earlier on where they're having the, uh, the sword and the armour conversation um yeah, when uh, when they find out that Danny's pregnant, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I quite I quite like I quite liked most of the stuff in this area right up until good. you get to the old. Um, yeah, it's good, and you get the line from Danny as well, where where they tell her that you know without Drogo she's nothing, uh, and she doesn't back down from the challenge at all. She meets the guy's eye line stone cold and just says, "I have yeah. never been nothing," uh, and yeah. just really like, "Come on, if you want to try me, then come on, pal." Because I'm not this fucking meek little girly girl that you think I am, um, and, yeah. and I love and that side like, of Yeah, like now she sort of says, "Oh, I, no, I, I've never been. I'm the blood of the dragon." Yeah. And he's like, oh, all, "All the dragons are dead." Well, they're fucking not, are no. they? And you just know her, no, her entire, no, her entire um, manner is. Well, they might be, but I'm still fucking here. So yeah, I'm exactly. Um, 
so yeah, yeah no, that's, it's, that's it's really awesome. good it's... awesome I, and then we get again interesting um now well I, yeah I've, I've got to talk about this for a little bit so, okay so we're moving into the realm of blood magic here now so so danny is essentially allowing yeah. blood magic to be performed on drogo uh in in order yes. to save his life now Again, I had forgotten about this, which annoys me um, because in a few seasons' time, some shit will happen, which I argued yes. with people very passionately about. Um, and it's right here that this this blood magic, this bringing people back to life or saving them from the brink of death has been in the lore of the show from yeah. the start. Now, I do have a slight issue with it because it does essentially give you a golden bullet whenever you need it um oh absolutely yeah but as long as there is cost to that and it can't be performed willy-nilly then i guess you can balance i'm not crazy on the idea of bringing people back to life and stuff and this comes from somebody who fucking reads comic books on the reg so i should be used to this (laughs) but yeah you know but again it's there what i'm saying is it's quite nicely handled so, and yeah, it's it's there, and it's quite nicely handling this one. And I I quite like, I said it's not nicely handling as much as the writing, but it's nicely handling in terms of the, the delivery whereby Danny's kind of mopey, so you can't let him die. You know, you have to. So she she's at the end of a rope. So no, there must be some magic you can do. So yeah, there's no, there's magic. There's blood magic, and it has a cost. And she's like, no, yeah, comes at a co- comes at a cost. Um, and her initials are no, my does it cost my life? Yeah. And the the, um, the the witch, the sorceress, whatever you want to call her, her face is like, no, you stupid bitch, just bring me a fucking yeah. horse or something. I just need blood. I don't care who it is, just give me yeah. blood. It's yeah, and it's just it's just such a dismissive. No, just bring me a yeah. horse. Um, and I, I love that. Yeah. That was great because again, it, it, it's it, it's it's interesting for Danny because again. No, We've seen her sort of grow in this season quite well. Um, she she did she appeared very subvert, uh, submissive very early on, and she's sort of grown into a, a sort of very forthright young woman to a point where she's uh, I can I'm willing to sacrifice everything for this bloke because you know he he has become so important to me and and to my child. My child will need a, a strong father, um, especially after them. Jorah's sort of already told her that when um, once. Drover dies. She she's kind of fucked anyway. So she's willing to, to make that sacrifice, sort yeah. of. Uh, all of this stuff is great um, over here, though. All of these decisions make yeah. sense, and this power play makes sense. It's all good yeah, stuff. It's, it's logical, which you can't really say for most no. of the show. Um, and we do. This is the bit actually. I think we we. Jorah eventually throws down with the horse lord, but we do get another great moment from him there as well, where he, he goes to to stop this happening, and he again just puts his hand up and says, "No further, horse lord." Like, the, don't yes. you fucking back your shit up, mate. You slow your fucking roll, or you are going down. Um, yeah. Uh, of course, Danny ends up getting shoved to the floor, falling over whatever she does, and goes into labour. Um, that was yes. fucking fast, even for this show, like. Well, I don't, the thing that, you know, that got me with it is that she doesn't. I don't know if it's all the fucking bodices and all the rest that she's in, but she doesn't actually look like no, she's showing. I, and and like literally, it must be what a month, it, if that. Well, I, I'm not sure because I mean, again, time is kind of fluid in the show. Um, but I mean, if we found out in episode like four, this is episode eight. So I mean, episode nine. So you could be talking six, seven months. I mean, there's no time frame for all but of this, then unfortunately. If that's the because case, how long was Tyrion in jail? 
and shit like you know like well we, we don't know do anything the fact they've had to move people around and shit like that you know it's it's very difficult to gauge and I think that it was a big criticism I think it comes to the end of season five whereby um, certain characters are in different places seemingly at the same time because there's no logical passage of time whereby they can be in one country and then be in a complete on a completely different continent in the next scene yeah it's so I mean I, th- I think there's this it's they, they rely partly on the fact that because it's not all together it's not all continuous um, it's quite easy to for, for them to play with that and say, well, oh, well, yeah, no, she's she's at the point where she's like seven, eight months pregnant, even though we only found out last week. Yeah. Because who says she yeah, can't be? Yeah, I mean, it's... Who says how long that has been? Especially now since we've had... Doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. Especially now that the, the connection between um, Jorah and... Um, and the and the the, the, the thrown over in um, in Westeros, that's now gone. There's no connection. There's, there's no... There's nothing anywhere that says where we are in in comparison to that main story yeah. there's nothing joining them yet there's nothing crossing them yeah. yet yeah so it, it's fine it just feels quick um, so there, I mean all of this stuff now down it right when we're in the, the kind of mid chunk of this episode it, it's all great mm. scenes again this stuff's all great and then we go back to Tyrion again and this is where we get the, the drinking yeah. game which is again um, just as when Tyrion was talking with Jon around the campfire and, and things like that like as far as handling exposition and giving you information and backstory goes, like Peter yeah. Dinklage is the fucking MVP of this show for the for the oh, writers. He saves the show yeah, many like occasions. As far as the storytelling goes, like he is the absolute MVP. Because this here, we get all of Bronn's backstory that we need, essentially, and it doesn't feel clumsy yeah. in the slightest. It, in no, the wrong because hands, we don't actually learn anything yeah, about it. In the wrong it. hands, it would feel clumsy because it would literally be Tyrion going, so this yeah. is what happened to you when you were young, and this is why you are the way you are, and that would be clumsy. Yeah. But it's framed around this drinker game, and it's all very entertaining, and it's delivered in a slightly drunken manner, and it's all very good. Um, yeah, and, and again, it's done in such a way that you know, Tyrion, you know, he's he's always talking about how clever he is, how good, you know, and that's something that will come up right up until the you know, the, the very last episode. How clever he is, and how, how he's good at talking and reading people, and he gets this one spectacularly fucking wrong, but it's entertaining. Yes, and in in everything we don't learn about Shay's character through this drinking game, where he get he makes all the wrong guesses, we learn an awful lot because everything he says that's wrong means the opposite must be right. Yeah, and and but even in the act of him, yeah, getting it wrong, um, we, we see these glimpses of of Shay as I say as this actually quite a strong woman who's in this life because she chooses to be. She's not. It's not yeah. because she's been forced into it. This is just the life that she's chosen for herself, and that's that's yes. fine. That tells her, that tells us what we need to know about her. Um, and then, of course, it gets flipped on Tyrion, and we get some of his backstory, which again dips into that relationship, not just with Tywin, but also with Jaime. Um, yes, because even in this story, whilst it may appear that Tywin's doing something quite cruel, it's it's clear from the way that Tyrion delivers it that that Jaime's kind of doing it from a misplaced misplaced sense of of love and affection for him, and, and yeah. it's trying to kind of give him this this sexual awakening, if you like. Uh, yeah. But considering all of that and considering his first experience uh, is, is quite a bad one, and, and especially with a whore, you'd yeah. think he would fucking hate whores like, as a character, but he should fucking despise whores. 
Oh, absolutely. But he doesn't. I mean, given the, given the story he goes on to tell about you know, the fact that he was made to watch while you know, she was holding so much silver from all the men she was fucking that it was you know, she couldn't hold it all slipping through her fingers. Yeah, he should absolutely... Det- well, he should he should actually detest women. Yeah. You know, from the, for the way he was treated, given the, you know, how poignant a moment this is, is in his life and how important it is, you would, you would expect this to absolutely break him. But he goes completely the other way and starts viewing... He has this very cavalier attitude towards... Um, particularly whores, whereby, well, a whore's just a whore and you know, so be it. Again, in keeping with his really iffy politics of the uh, of the show. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so there's that. Um, uh, then... Again, that's my favourite scene of the episode, I've got to be Oh, honest. yeah, yeah, it's excellent. It is an excellent scene. You are, you're dead right. It's the, the best scene of the episode and one of the best of the show so far, I would say. Yes, um, yeah. So then uh, they all sort of go to bed and what have you. Uh, we wake up the next morning, it's the battle, and Bronn comes out with another contender for line of the show. Um, yes. As Tyrion and he leaves the tent getting ready for battle, he turns to Tyrion and simply says, stay low. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bronn's just the fucking yeah. best, man. Really. <laughs> he yeah. really is the fucking best. Um so we don't really see the battle because we, we sort of it's set up as though we're going to stay with Tyrion but of course he gets knocked out immediately um, yeah. and the battle passes us by and then we find out that Rob's pulled the old rope-a-dope on the Lannisters yes go Rob and again excellent absolutely and I think that actually this is probably the most useful thing Theon does in the entire fucking show was last week yeah when the Lannister scout turned uh, his captured and they bring him into the tent and Rob lets him go to yeah. tell them that I mean, there are 20,000 men heading south. Theon has the sense to cover the map. Yes. Whereby they're, they're doing all their planning. Because, you know, it's the one useful thing he does because if he hadn't done that, the scout would have seen it and, go, and so could have very easily agreed to go and tell Tywin whatever he agreed that he's going to tell him. But actually, well, yeah, they said that, but actually on their map they're doing this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was actually quite useful. I, I remember thinking at the time, I forgot about it last week. Um, so, yeah, so that was quite good. But, yeah, good for uh, good for Rob. Um, and you get you, know, you get a nice uh, a nice exchange between Tywin and Tyrion where um, Tyrion says, well, where, you know, where, where is Rob? And he says, with his other 18,000 men, it's like, you complete fucking bellend, where else would he be? Yeah. 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 He's not gonna. He's not gonna come and you know, lay down his life with the, the peasants he sent off to fight me, when he can be off doing something else elsewhere. And again, it just it, it shows the absolute disregard that Tywin has for for Tyrion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, lo and behold, we get Jamie has been taken prisoner and is wheeled out in front of. Rob and, and Theon and again Jamie who we I don't think we saw last week even did we I don't think we saw Jamie last week no um, no we did but again in the middle of all this bear in mind he's prisoner as well and yes the line comes off as a little bit cocky but that's in his delivery like yeah again I'd offer you my sword but I've lost it you know he also kind of means it as well like he is accepting yeah. the fact that he's a prisoner here um, yeah Theon is a absolute cunt as usual, yeah. uh, just egging Rob on to just dispatch him there and then, just like yeah. a little fucking 
devil again, on his shoulder. Just absolutely yeah, I mean, wankstein. I hate the guy so much. Yeah, but again, you get you know, again. Rob puts him in his place very quickly. He said, um, "He said, oh, 2,000 men die. Oh, the bards will sing songs about him. Yeah, that's all well and good. They got to fucking hear it, like eh? exactly. Get, yes, get back in your box and shut the fuck and up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, um, but then again, like I've said all along." Jamie True North once again tries to do the honourable thing here and end the war right now just by yeah. offering Rob out. You, yeah, and there, there's, there's part of that. There's, there's, there's the honour side, but also there's the arrogant side, which says, Oh, oh he knows I'll he's going to win. Head off. Don't get me wrong. He, yeah. Absolutely. He would destroy Rob in a one-on-one yeah. fight, and Rob knows that as well. Well, that's it. And I think that's that's part of... Part of Jamie's character is that he he go he goes out and he goads people because he knows he can he, you know he knows he can take anybody's head off and he's not he's not fucking bothered he he'll get into a, he can get into a duel and he will win and as he said no pick your weapon if it's you no know, lances swords teeth battery acid fucking McDonald's milkshakes whatever it is I'll do it just you no know, all these people don't have to suffer it's just you and me one on one and that'll be the end of it yeah but and most people would kind of go for that as they go you know what. You think you're better than me, cud. I'll have you. Yeah. And Rob doesn't fall for it, which is again, it's 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 nice because you'd expect him to so because he's been quite hot headed so you'd far, he's been quite rash so far. Yeah. You'd expect him to go for it and kind of blow it all there and then. But he doesn't. And and it's quite a tense exchange. And to be fair, like for all we've just said about the war in Dothrak, like this this war now, this war for Ned, if you like. Um, it mm. is bubbling quite nicely you know this war is really building to something um, but at the expense of us spending time with Ned is the problem so yeah. the whole reason they go into war is Ned we're not spending any time with him so completely overlooked. why the fuck should we care about any of this like we can't honestly say that we feel that Ned's in peril even though that we know he is but we're not seeing it we're not seeing him but suffer it, at all we're not it doesn't well, appear it. like there's any urgency to get him out because we don't know that he's suffering really we've just seen him have two well, conversations with Varys while he's been fed and watered well that's it we don't see him and I mean realistically at the end of last week's episode Joffrey kind of agrees to to let him, no, to, to, to pardon him, or well, not to pardon him, but to you know, not kill him, because you know, at Sansa's request and all the rest of it, he, he, he looks like he's softened, and then that's reiterated at the start of this episode, where various kinds of stuff said, no, Sansa's life's in danger as well, why don't you just, you know, give up, you know, give up your honour and your, your, your valour, tell him that, you know, make your confession, save her life, and they'll let you go, no, the queen, the queen, the queen knows you're, what was it, uh, a tame wolf is better than a dead one, I think is yeah. the line. Um, Again, all implying that yeah, he's going to be absolutely fine. We you know you can you can go off and live your days at the wall. We'll, we'll take your take your money, your titles, and all that sort of shit off, which you, you you don't care about anyway. You've never cared about that's no that's evident in your character from day one. You don't care about the riches, the fame, the glory, any rest of it. You just want to live out your days in the fucking frozen north. Absolutely fine, no problem. Go piss off up to the wall, and that can that can be your life, and that's absolutely fine. So there is no urgency because we've already been told more than once that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. So the fact this war is coming is kind of, well, what the fuck's the point? And then, just as he's bubbling nicely, you know, and, and Rob's fighting to free his father, that's what's urging him forward. Um, and, and we've just come off the back of that, and we can really feel this this kind of forward momentum that, that Rob's going to save his father's life. So what happens? We cut to the next scene and off him completely. Thereby yes. essentially, and relieving all of that tension, because... Rob's too late. 
Simple as that. Yeah. What's the point in the war now? He's too fucking late. Yeah. So, but and, and this is my whole problem. I say it, it's in the book, so I, I mean you've kind of got to go with it. And it, obviously, it's, it's the direction that um, George R. R. Martin wanted to go in the first place. But this is my problem with, as I said, all of the positioning of the Starks in this show. This is the Ned Stark show mm-hmm. from the very start. Everything is geared up to this until you've got this until he's been chucked in jail and completely missed out for the last two weeks. This has been his show, and you're you're always waiting for. He's found this, so we we know now that he's found Robert's bastards. We know that he has identified the fact that none of Cersei's children are actually Robert's, so none of them have a legitimate claim to the throne. We know that he has identified a rightful heir and has contacted him. So we know that all of the that the Ned Stark story is going to carry on because there's so much has been done already. And we've put so much stock in where we've already aligned him positively, we've aligned the Lannisters negatively, with the exception of Tyrion, who kind of skirts between anybody and everybody because nobody really likes him. Nobody wants him where he is. The, the Lannisters don't want him because he's a dwarf and he's an embarrassment, all the rest of it. The Starks don't want him because, as far as they're concerned, he's the criminal who, you know, who arranged for somebody to try and kill Bran. So he kind of doesn't fit anywhere in that mold. But you've very much been positioned as two warring families, which are going to take this show for the next however many years it's going to run. And then by offing Ned and having Joffrey perform this massive... No, no, we've talked about this, his character transplant. We've we've seen glimpses of him being a fairly stupid character, a fairly annoying character. We've seen some some of his immaturity, his naivety. We've never seen his cruelty to such an extent that we do here, where he's like... Yes, my mother and my, my lady Sansa say I should give him clemency and let him live his life in no live his life in peace, life in peace at the wall. Fuck that! I want him dead. Fucking kill him. Yeah, for no reason whatsoever. None. Shock value, simple. It, it is. It does it. It's stunt writing, and it's obviously it's from the book, so it's it's, it's the author is guilty of this. And you can't even blame the uh, the showrunners for this. But it's just the entire pacing of everything up until this point. I'd, I'd, I'd like to say the book is about, I don't know, a million pages long or something like yeah. that. So they will have they'll have spent the time and built up the rest of this world accordingly. Now, yeah. The show hasn't done no. that. The show has gone, this is your show. This is the story we are telling. It's the, show, the story of Ned Stark and how Ned Stark goes through point A, B, C, D, E, F, all the way through to Z, 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 Z. He does all the work and this is how we get to the end of the show. We, they even built their marketing on the fact that this is Sean Bean sat on the Iron Throne, head, no, head, it saw down him leaning his head against I guess he's weary, he's tired, all the rest. Of it. They've sold this show as the Ned Stark show from day one, and then they've completely thrown out the fucking window. Yeah, now, and this was the first time I wanted. I, this was the first time I said, "Fuck it, I'm done." I didn't say "fuck it, I'm done" at this point. Um, that would come much, much later. Um, and I still carried on watching every time and and even now this is is probably the one that annoys me the least even and it annoys me more now than it did as I say Um, but you are right in that this is obviously an an author problem rather than a writer problem or a director problem however as we have said several times already this is an adaptation now I'm not saying you don't kill Ned obviously you do that does need to happen to drive the narrative forward it's absolutely critical to the narrative however how you choose to to handle that is down to you and this is handled very badly like to start with this scene we open with Arya begging for food Uh, and then I can see that the intention is probably to try and frame it all through her eyes but it just yeah. doesn't work. What actually happens is then she gets shepherded into the crowd, and we see we see Ned up on the the stage there. 
But yeah. because of that, there's been no weight. Where was his entrance? Where was him being marched up to the podium? Where's where's the weight of Ned's problems? Because we just don't feel it. No, that's right. They did this so much later on. I think it's again. I think it's season six where um, they have Cersei doing her walk of shame. Yes. Yeah. And she, you know, she's walking through. No, I mean again, spoilers for stuff that's way in the future. And by the time we get there, you'll have forgotten about it anyway. But you know, she's her hair is cut off. She's being marched through the streets, stark naked. She's having things thrown at her. Her feet are bleeding because she's walking on on the on the, the stone floor. We see that from the second she leaves. Um, the, the set where she's being held all the way back to where she's handed over to, to Jamie and the King's Guard. Yeah. And we feel it. All the way and through. And we feel it. Now, yeah. now here's, and it's, it's uncomfortable yes. to watch because it's, it's, it lasts about, what, four or five minutes, I think? Yeah. yeah. I know, it's, it's uncomfortable to watch, but you watch every second of it because you want to see what's happening to yeah. it. We don't get that here. We, no, don't, get to, we is, don't get that This build. is a non-event. This is framed as a non-event. Yeah. Now, I understand the intention, okay? I and, and this is where it really goes wrong. I understand that the intention is to frame it uh, in such a way that this is how it affects... Sansa and Arya and this is through their eyes yeah. because Ned's Ned's off and, and this is about how Ned's death is going to affect Arya so we're going to stay with her and we're going to lock in tight to her and this is this is what her father's death is going to do I understand that the problem is mm. in the execution of that we don't get to spend any time with Ned and we haven't spent any time with him over the last two episodes so it just doesn't feel weighty at all and so when his head eventually rolls again ned dies off screen okay now again if this is to do with Arya, and it's supposed to be because the camera is locked on Arya when ned's head rolls but she doesn't fucking see it no that's right so it means nothing now sansa sees it because she's right there yes we don't see her reaction yeah, she's, she's got a front row seat we don't see yeah, her reaction we see, we see her reaction to we see the reaction to the sentence yes. her screen you know you can't do this let him go you know you've made a mistake there's something wrong now interestingly um db weiss commented years later that the, the fact that the way they the way they delivered the execution scene um the way it was shot and the way it, the way it was framed and everything it was intentional um because they didn't no, they, they didn't want any any ambiguity the fact that he was dead because he dies off screen, he's not really dead. Now, not being funny, how many people do they kill off screen on this fucking show every yeah. year? It's um, and but that that was the rule he quoted was that if if that's the rule, you, if you don't see the body, then they're not really dead. Um, so they didn't want to go down the route of having like a Monty Python type of spray of blood and everything. But you need to see the sword coming down, cut to black, and then next week you'll see his head on a spike. You know he's dead. Yeah. But you've, you're not playing by yeah. your own rules because. You literally kill people off screen every it's fucking so week. It's so poorly handled. It's so poorly... And I, I, look, I, I think he thinks that that's what he's achieved here. I genuinely do. I, I think yeah. that everyone involved in this scene at this point thinks they're far more clever than they actually are because this is actually very poorly directed. Very, very poorly yeah. directed. Like, who's, whose scene is this? This is the main question here: is whose scene is this? Because it's Ned's death, and it's it's Ned making his hero's choice here. He's he's been the lead of our show. He's broken, but he's making the choice that he is going to save his family, and he's throwing away everything that he cares about 
in order to save his family. He is stepping up and becoming the hero. Yes, he's not doing it with a sword in his hand, but he has made his choice and he is stepping up, becoming a hero and condemning himself to to a life at the wall. Okay, he's he's broken. This should be Ned's scene. Yeah, we should see yeah, Ned yeah, die. And then, then we go and see how Arya and Sansa react to it. And we get their reactions and we see them break down or we see them get angry or we see them do whatever the fuck they're going to do. But it should yeah. be Ned's scene. Now, they they appear to have decided that it needs to be Arya's scene. Okay, mm. let's play that through. Certain, the scene certainly starts with Arya uh, and we follow her yeah. through the sort of marketplace or whatever it is. Okay, so I understand. Then we're, we're framing this as though it's Arya's scene. But then she doesn't do anything. She doesn't run up to the stage. She doesn't protest. She doesn't cry. She doesn't, uh, like, she, and this is completely out of character for her as well. Like, Ned sees her sort of hugging the statue and, the, and they lock eyes. And then he kind of nods yeah. to his man, like, look, just, just, I don't want her to see this. Yeah. Yeah. So she willingly allows him to hide her eyes. That is not her character. No, it's not. I mean, and you, you see it from the second that Joffrey condemns him to death. She's off that statue. She's got her hands on needle and she's trying to push her way through the crowd. She gets about three paces in and then, is it Joran, the, the Night's Watch guy? Joran, Joran, something like that? Yeah. He yeah. intercepts, says, no, look at me. Stop. Don't look at that. And she, she's seen this guy for all of half a second four episodes ago yeah so no, Similar, she yeah. doesn't know who the fuck this guy is apparently he's all dressed in black and he could be anybody but you know she's there and he, he grabs her and he's, you know, he's, he's embracing her he's holding her in holding her head so she can't look all this sort of stuff and then she has you know, she hit, she will have heard everything going on but she can't see anything and then she has a good bit of a cry and she hugs herself in a bit further completely now, pisses on what she's going to do for the next yes, eight years because she should have broken away she needs to see that at least Yes, this is the key. If she had seen it, it would be fine. But this show does not understand how to handle the weight of a death. No. It's as simple as that. This death is monumental. Okay, this is our this is our show's lead dying. Uh, it should feel monumental yeah. and everybody that sees this should be changed by oh, it. Should, everyone should feel this. But I think this is the problem in general, is that every no. How I don't know how many people died in the show, about 56 million. I think there's another population of a small country um, died in, well, not even a small country, the population of a country die in the show over the years and with all the wars and all the rest of it. Fine, fantastic, great. I quite like a bit of bloodshed, quite a bit of fighting, yeah, great, fantastic. However, the more significant the character, the shitter their death. I totally agree. Totally agree. Because the, the, there's not enough nuance in the writing to go, actually, we need this is what we need this death to do. Other than just kill off this character and get them out of the way, or to drive this part of the narrative. Driving narrative is one thing, but driving character is completely different. And it, yeah. this 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 death in particular, given the fact that Arya spends the next however many years it is working on a list of all the people who've wronged her, people like Cersei, Joffrey, Illin Payne. Who she never gets to who, who, she never gets to come back to. This is this is pivotal. If this doesn't happen, yeah. Ned doesn't get killed. Then this list doesn't happen. She gets to go home and play in swords and all the rest of it until she grows up, and then she'll grow up and um, go off and do what young ladies are supposed to do, because that's the world you're in. Yeah. So this is pivotal for her character, but she doesn't even fucking see it. No, she's not there. No, it's like look. Here, I'm going to fix this scene for you in 
30 seconds. It's easy. Okay, Ned, we we stay with Ned walking through the crowd. He takes to the stage. You stay behind him and you see Arya at the statue. Okay, Ned's horrified, sends his man in. Okay, she initially goes to the guy. The scene plays out. Joffrey says he's going to die. We get Sansa's reaction. Oh, and by the way, Sophie Turner does not know how to how to play this scene no. at all. I feel no, really bad for her because she's awful in this yeah, scene. Yeah, the direction's not there. Yeah. The direction's she not there She really at doesn't all. know how she should be playing this scene, and it's not her fault. Um, no. Anyway, um, so Ned does his piece. Joffrey orders him killed. Okay, now at this point, Arya needs to try and break free. Okay, eventually your man just restrains her. The sword's just about to come down. It can be on the back of of Ned's neck, just about to come down, but he needs to lock eyes with Arya. The last time we see Ned Stark should be just before that sword hits. Then we cut to Arya, her eyes go wide, and you hear it cleave through. Cut to black. Done. The scene is fixed. That is not difficult. That is basic 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 stuff and look if you like kudos for trying to do something else i understand what they tried to do but fucking hell did they screw it up yeah like terribly terribly this scene is awful and it's just one of many many awful deaths I mean, luckily, it's very early on in the show, and I just don't think that we've spent enough time with Ned for me to be that annoyed about it. Um, however yeah. monumental it should be, I'm just like, okay, he's fucked off now. We won't hear about him really for the next seven years other than in passing because they never do really come back to this much. and Unless they're at Winterfell, they, they never really... And, and then it just no. tends to be a throwaway line. Like, this is very quickly... After next season, really, um, yeah. this is very quickly forgotten about. Um, and then, you know, the fact that they juxtapose it with Rob's speech just totally yes. invalidates all the good work they've done in this episode up to this point in building the war up. Um, yeah, I, I've got to say there's, there's some stuff written as well at the time. Um, I think it was a, a reporter called Maureen Ryan from AORTV. Um, as she was saying, that, um, the, a lot of the debate came around the, um, the decision not to show any of the battles between the Starks and the Lannisters, and it was, um, was criticised because so many major characters are involved in this this war, and it's going to go on for fucking years, mm. and we don't see any of it. And that was a bit of criticism, and I think that Possibly because of because they had this you know, this big set piece set up for the end, uh, which would have cost a fuck ton of money, and obviously shooting battle scenes cost a fuck ton of money. They'd already done the hard work. They'd already set up the camps. They'd already you know, they'd already set up the sites of it. They'd already established it. You can no, to show absolutely none of it. I think is quite disrespectful to the characters and the work they're trying to do, because we're going to go into the next well, certainly into the next season now where Ned's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lannisters and the Starks are going to be going at it for the next couple of you know, next couple of years, and we've kind of gone. Well, do I care? Because are they, are they even going to show it? Yeah, they've kind of, they've kind of thrown away the start of it straight away. I can, I can appreciate that battle scenes cost a shit ton of money because you need a load of extras, you need effects, you need stunt people, you know, you need to make costumes for all these people, you need big armor, give them swords and all this. Stuff. I appreciate there's a logistical nightmare behind that, but it's again, it's so important, and the fact that 
the Starks have kidnapped Jamie is so important to what happens in the next season. Yeah. To not see any of it, I think, is you know, quite poor. I think, if I'm honest, I'm okay with not seeing the battles as long as the character work is there because I'm I'm more concerned with who's fighting and why they're fighting rather than the actual fighting itself. And which is why, as I say, I, I quite like that we didn't see any of that initial battle because Tyrion got knocked out and then you know next thing we know we we see I I'm fine with all of that because because you can suggest it just as well and the performances help that to happen. I I'm okay with that. And as I say I actually think that war was bubbling over nicely but but that can only work. That can only work if you put all of the character work in and it all means something. And when yeah. the very thing that they're fighting for is just thrown away so crassly, it means nothing. Yeah, it does. However, looking at this, um, again, I've got the wiki page open in front of me because that's where I do all my research. Um, the IGN Awards and the IGN People's Choice Awards um, gave this episode... Um, uh, it was nominated for it did one best TV episode and was nominated for best TV episode in one and the other, and it won best TV twist in both categories. It's not a twist; it's a complete fucking reversal of writing. It's not a twist because that implies implies its plan that has been thought out properly. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure it can really be a twist in as much as it was already in the source material anyway. Um, yeah. But I mean, I I think it's I think it's this, and maybe that award was was partly to blame and certainly sorry guys if you're listening and and you you disagree but certainly the audience is to blame because this thing caught fire all of a sudden around here because for some reason nobody was expecting sean bean to die like really where have you been for his career um well yeah but, <laughs> but i think that's it and again i think a lot of that's the position and, and, then and I the think, fact that this entire show was sold on sean yeah, bean but but then i think because it it caught fire and it went over so well, I then just think this this team isn't clever enough to realise that you know that was a fluke. Essentially, um, we managed to dupe people, um, and I think they just became victims of their success and all of the increasingly fucking bizarre narrative decisions that are made in this show and the increasingly poorly handled deaths are just because they are arrogant enough to tell themselves that this is what the audience want and aren't we clever? No, guys, you're not <laughs> at all. Especially when you get to these sort of these big shocks and these big quote-unquote twists, people start to see them coming. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, it's one thing to in your first season when you're trying to establish yourselves to kill off your main character, but to try and do something of that, level every year to try and do something that's sort of shocking every year and then to repeat it at the end of season five by way to kill off your main character yeah fuck me it just doesn't work because people see it coming so then the audience start turning on and say well hang on this is predictable we know what's coming because you've done it twice before yeah and it's again it's not you know it's coming you don't necessarily always know which character it's going to be but you know people are going to die and you expect it from the show and then it, it kind of does almost build this Pavlovian response like there's always like oh who's going to die this week who's going to die this week and that became the thing that people were tuning in for and at that point yeah. the snake started eating its own tail and 
Yeah. Problem is, as they've just shown, they've never been good at handling this stuff from day one. So when they actually start eating their own tail, it just gets worse and worse and worse because they start to actually yeah. lose track of what the hell they were trying to say in the first place and just concentrate yeah. on, oh, how gory can we make the death this week and who's going to get their That's tits out? Yeah, it, be- it became more of it, it became more how elaborate the deaths could be. Yeah, it it became Mortal Kombat essentially. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the story didn't build itself to it. I mean, yeah, we'll get to um, we'll get to to Ramsey later on, but well, you know, a lot of choices around his character were done just to shock people. Yes, I agree. I agree. And yeah, it just doesn't know. Again, talking, I'm talking about Theon not really adding anything to the show and his absence being entirely passable. You, know, you could quite easily do the show without him. There's so many characters like that, the way they've just gone, they've taken them from the book because you know, the books are a million pages long each and there's a lot of source material there. So they've kind of gone, well, we can build this in and we can get an, another absolute dickhead out of this. And then we can treat well, we can treat the audience like shit to a point where they won't see this coming, except they fucking will, because people aren't as stupid as a lot of writers give them credit for. And it took, unbelievably, it took eight years for the audience to finally stand up and say, okay, we've had enough. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I disagreed with the petition to refilm season eight. With oh, Colin yeah, look, to redo they made what they writers. wanted to make. Yeah. You need to accept it. Yeah, they made... Yeah, they made what they wanted to make, and people worked fucking hard on this show, whether yeah. you like it or not. People made people worked very hard, and the, you know, the people made the people who made it made a product they were proud of. Um, some of the cast have had a few grumbles about their characters' ends and stuff like that, but that's always going to happen. But you know, by and large, the cast, the crew, everybody involved has come out and said, "I'm really happy with that." I was part of a very successful show. It ended the way that we feel it should have ended. It ended in a natural way. Ended in a right way. Fine. All the problems you know people see with it, we don't see those, and we're not we're not really up to discussing those because quite frankly, people have missed the point. And I think that was entirely disrespectful to say that no, this is the entire thing needed to be scrapped because that's just ridiculous. And that's never going to happen. And what, what fucking idiot thought that was yeah. a good idea. Um, that said, there are lots of missteps from episode one all the way through to episode 73 or 72, however many there are, whereby you go, actually, yeah, this is all kind of building to the same thing. These same problems are going to come up time and time again. Yeah. And one by one, they'll start. People will start tuning out. So by the time you get Ned's death, people go, "Oh, fucking hell!" Right? Okay. By the time you get the Red Wedding, by the time you get about the bastards, all these sort of things, they they just turn they they they're bigger in scale because I think they realise that actually their significance is less. Yeah. So it's um, it's it's style over substance, and I think that becomes more and more evident as we get through towards the end of the show. I totally agree. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's where where we jump off on the, on this episode. I, I've I've talked about the the technical problems I have with the death in, in terms mm. of of how it's directed and, and and how it plays out, and and we've talked in a in a more broader context of of how I think really obviously we talked about Robert's death as well a couple of weeks ago being off screen, and that was annoying. But this is the first one where. 
and as I say, first time out, the only thing I was annoyed about was was the way Arya was treated in it, and that and that she didn't mm. see. That was the thing that really stuck in my throat was that Arya and Sansa didn't see it, or at least we didn't see their reaction. That was the thing that stuck in my yeah. throat first time out. Other than that, I was like, oh yeah, okay, that one meant something because it, as you say, it it had an effect on the show moving forward, whereas some of the other deaths don't. Um, but no, watching back, it's just as bad as all those other ones. It's very poorly handled. It doesn't carry any weight whatsoever. Uh, maybe there's a certain amount of because I know it's coming as well. Maybe that. But then, having said that, I know it's coming. And for the last two weeks, I've been like, fucking hell, I want to see Ned. Like, t- t- take me back to yeah. Ned so that this means something. Come on, guys, you've got to show me Ned soon. And they just don't. So this death is pointless, meaningless. And they're entirely for shock and awe. Um, yeah. And, you know, my my closing note here because of that, in big caps underlined, this show is dumb. Simple as that. I'm sorry, but it is. And yeah. look, I, I fucking love it. As I've said several times, you know, all of this comes from a, from a place of love because when it's good, it's really fucking good. But Jesus Christ, most of the time it's fucking dumb. Annoyingly dumb. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and yeah, it, unfortunately, you've talked, you've talked in the last couple of weeks, and I think you mentioned it today as well, that you know when you get to later seasons and you start, you start something nostalgizing about the, um, to the early years, this is what you know. This is what people are referring back to. And if if you go back and look at it, a in terms of how it's put together and some sort of what you can read into it, and b the significance it's supposed to have had on later years. Yeah, yeah, dumb is probably yeah. the right word. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's dumb. Um, my my summation then, ge- uh, general thoughts as as we normally do. Yeah. Um, I, actually, this is a good episode. There's a lot of good scenes. Um. But yeah. Ned's death is just totally mishandled, which lets it down. So, as we said, that that is a fucking monumental event, and it just needed more. Yes. Like we we needed to spend more time with Ned. We needed to be on that stage with him. We needed to see him choke on those fucking words, you know. Yeah. And, and we need to see him lock eyes with both of his daughters. Like we need that. We need that for it to mean something. Um, and, and we really need to see Sansa's reaction because she fucking saw it. Um. Yeah, and she's been so vocal as well. I mean, because obviously she, you know she's been played and she's been part of the politics, um, un- unwillingly so, but she's been part of the the, the politics from a Lannister side. Um, yeah, there's a there's a really good there's a really interesting point. There's a really good point from her next week. Is a scene she's in um, next week, which again it's of it defines where her character is going yeah. to go. Um, and I, th- no, I think that that's important, but because we don't see, you know, we all we see is her hysterically shouting, "No, don't do it, don't do it." It kind of it, it kind of sets her on the back foot. So anything that she's going to do next week, if she, we don't know if she's going to be snivelling and crying, we don't know if she's going to be vengeful and bloodthirsty. We don't know if she's going to be just completely self-centered and self-absorbed as she has been all the way through the show. We don't know no. how it's going to go. But we've had no hints because there's been no, there, there was nothing between her no, and Ned or between her and Arya or between her and anybody else. Her reaction, uh, it's ah, oh, it's dumb. Ah, oh, you're going to set me off again. <laughs> sorry, I'm not. Sorry. I'm, I'm just going to sit quiet and let you finish. It just boy it boils my piss. This this stuff in this show really <laughs> boils my piss. It's so dumb, and it shouldn't be. Like the amount of money and the amount of talent involved. 
How is no one on that set going, what the fuck are you doing? How is that not happening? How is this getting through a fucking writer's room? Like, But I think the problem is because the people who signed the checks were also the writers uh, for a lot of it. Just it's very difficult. Um, piss. Yeah, I mean, they don't know. Again, they, they want to come out there thinking they did a bad job. They want to come out thinking it was a bad episode. Um, there may be others they prefer there may be others they think they're worse but they want to come out and think well that fucking stank joint out we just had to get something out yeah so I mean I don't know but again no, people worked hard on it people produced the product and I think that's some fucking all power to them um, I just think that for for large parts of the eight year run of this show the yeah, eight, eight and a half year run of this show oh fucking hell it's just poorly it, handled yeah, in a lot of places really fucking is it really is. Um, um, but look, other than Ned's death, honestly, this is uh, a fucking great episode. Yeah. It really is. We get a lot of good... We get good stuff mm-hmm. for John. Uh, Danny's just continuing to grow. All the stuff over in Dothrak was good. The stuff with Tyrion and Bronn was excellent. And Brilliant. Shay is just fucking... Shay fucking rules. She's an incredible character. Yeah. And we get introduced to her. So, like... Yeah, and, and then not only that, no, Rob's Rob's growing in yeah. confidence every week as well. No, that that's quite good. There's some interesting story beats. And up until the last sort of two or three minutes, I was on board. I liked this yeah, episode. It was going and then yeah, they pissed it, it away. Was... Right up until the point that sword fell, I was on board. And then all of a sudden, hang on, you've done yeah, what now? Exactly. Exactly. So But yeah. there you go. It's just done now. Um yeah, we could probably rant about this one for quite a while, so it's probably a good time to draw a line yeah, and it, to be honest. As always, if you disagree with us, if you think we're speaking out of turn, then then please, we're up for discourse. Like totally, totally up for discourse. I'm always interested in other people's viewpoints. So uh, absolutely. I mean you know, we, we we come on here to talk about this because it's something we want to talk about, but we we quite happily talk to ourselves because we do it most of the time anyway. But if you wanna to talk to us about it, if you wanna you wanna have that conversation, tell us we're wrong, tell us we're idiots, go for it. But no, yeah, back, we'll, it, back it up or at least be funny. We'll put your point over. Like if it's if it's a valid point, yeah. I'm happy to read it out and and have a discourse over it. But I just oh man, this scene just really fucking winds me up. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. But I mean, yeah, if you want if you want to get in touch with us um, on Facebook, we're the Devil and Podcast Network. On Twitter, we're at DD Podcast Net. Um, you can email us gom at ddpodcast.net. Um, yeah, get in touch. Let us know what you think. By all means, have a um, have a conversation. If you just want to tell us we're idiots, go ahead. You won't be the first. You won't be the last. Um, try if you're entertaining, we'll read it out on air. If not, we, if you're not, we won't bother. Um, but yeah, get in touch. Let us know what you think. Um, but thankfully, next week it's the end of the season, um, so we've got one episode uh, one episode left, and then we're gonna have a bit of a break over the summer because fuck me, I think we've earned it. Uh, I'd say so. Yeah, I think it's, it's been a long time coming. Um, so yeah, so next week it's episode ten, which is called Fire and Blood. Um, again, some interesting things coming up next week, but we'll, we'll talk about it then. But until next time, game over.